Welcome to Curve Beam Connect. Listen in monthly as we talk with doctors and experts in the field discussing innovations and insights into orthopedic imaging. Welcome to the Curve Beam Podcast. I'm your host, Vinti Singh. I'm the Director of Marketing here at Curve Beam. We decided to launch this podcast to give doctors, patients, and anyone interested in healthcare and technology a look into how our solutions are changing medicine. Our guest this episode oversaw the installation of the first bilateral weight-bearing CT system in South America. Dr. Christian Ortiz, MD, is a foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon at Clinica Universidad de los Andes in Santiago, Chile. He currently serves as vice president for the International Federation of Foot and Ankle Societies, IFAS, and is playing a key role in organizing IFAS 2020, which will be held in Santiago next year. He was recently appointed a medical director for Lizimed, a telemedicine service in Chile. And finally, he is a surgeon volunteer for Steps to Walk, an organization that provides education and training to international foot and ankle surgeons who would otherwise have little access to ongoing advanced training in the specialty. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Ortiz. It is great to have you here today. Thank you, Vinti. It's an honor to be part of this. Awesome. So can you start by telling our audience a little bit about Clinica Universidad de los Andes? I... My understanding is it's one of the most prestigious sports medicine clinics on the continent of South America. Well, it's actually a brand new hospital that uh, just uh, reached five years since uh, it was first launched. Uh, it's, it's a private institution dedicated to provide uh, uh, quality health care to patients. Uh, it is part of the uh, Los Andes University, which is the most prestigious private university in Chile. And uh, at this moment, the institution the institution has been uh, getting bigger and bigger. And right now we have uh, some associations with the very important sports uh, institutions like uh, the Chilean uh, soccer team like the Olympic Chilean team, team, I mean, Olympic Chilean Association for every, uh, every field that is an Olympic uh, uh, sports in Chile. So we are growing up in sports, but we're also growing up in the practice of all the different uh, areas of medicine, medicine and medical care. Uh, and especially in orthopedic, which is right now about 50% of the surgeries in our clinic. And uh, me, I'm part of the foot and ankle team. We are uh, dedicated to create this foot and ankle center, which is the first one in South America that actually works like a, like a foot and ankle center in the States, which is different to a typical South American uh uh, medical care center, much more efficient, I would say. Uh, just because they're in South America, you don't really find dedicated foot and ankle orthopedic practices. It would typically be just part of a more general orthopedic practice. Yes, uh, I, I can. I must say that in the last uh, five years, we have seen a lot of uh, growing uh, number of foot and ankle surgeons, especially in Argentina, Brazil, Chile, and Colombia. 
And right now in Chile, we have 16, 60, 60 foot and ankle surgeons who are well trained or, or formally trained in the States or Europe. So it's a, it's a pretty good number for a, an 18 million people country. So right now it's a, it's a, it's a big number of foot and ankle surgeons. The, the main difference is that in Chile, we, we do not have many uh, other uh, professions as you, as you do have in the States like podiatrist or uh, and, uh, doctor of osteopathics. We don't have physician assistants. So a, a lot of things are made different in are done differently in South America and in Chile and right now we're trying to make it work a little bit more like in the states so for us it's going to be more efficient that means we can see more patients we can treat more patients and we can treat them better and how many foot and ankle surgeons are at your practice we're four so it's a full group and I'm assuming because there's 60 in the entire country, four is one of the bigger concentrations of foot and ankle surgeons you have in one place. Yes, yes, you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's the biggest number of surgeons in the hospital. Although at least two other institutions, they also have four. But for a new institution that is just five years old, as I was telling you, is a big number of ortho, uh, foot and ankle surgeons for a brand new institution. And it's a pretty, pretty busy practice right now. Okay. How many, what's your throughput? How many patients would you say you see in a day currently? Uh, in a typical office day, I typically see about 70 patients. And, uh, and we are reaching a number of close to 1,000 surgeries a year, the foot and ankle surgeon, surgeon group. Which is, is, is very good for, for Chilean practice. We, we just do foot and ankle surgery 100%, all of us. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely growing. You're already busy, but continuing to grow even more. Yes, and if you take a look at the numbers, uh, I guess every foot and ankle practice is getting bigger and bigger in every place in the world. Uh, it's... Uh, is uh, if you take a look at the numbers coming from the companies, the number of implants and uh, new devices for any specific subspecialty practice has been growing up very fast, but is even bigger for foot and ankle. So that tells you how big this the subspecialty is right now. Only room for more growth uh, beyond this. So. Uh, Santiago will actually be the site of the EFAS 2020 meeting. Can you tell us a little bit more about this upcoming foot and ankle conference? Well, the, the IFAS uh, society uh, brings together every foot and ankle surgeon in the world. It the world has been divided artificially into four regions. That is North America, South America, Europe, and Asia. All the other uh, continents like Africa and Europe they belong to the closest continent, like Africa, they belong to Europe, and Australia and New Zealand, they belong to Asia. So we have a triennial meeting, that means every three, year, three years, the last one was in Lisbon, Portugal, and three years before that, it was a, in 2014 in Chicago, United States. So the next one is going to be, uh, the host is going to be actually the South American 
society and they have selected Chile to be the host and we are holding the meeting in Viña del Mar, which is a city about 80 miles uh, west from Santiago. And we, we chose that location because it's, it's a pretty nice area. The weather is a little bit warmer than in Santiago. And uh, it's very convenient because you just can drive from the airport and not drive through the city and go straight into Viña del Mar. And it's a very nice setting by the ocean with appropriate facilities uh, to uh, receive a number of surgeons that is going to be close to 1,400 people, 1,400 uh, surgeons who are coming to the meeting from all over the world. Right now, uh, we already have the, the whole program with 90 uh, guest speakers. That is a huge number of the most important uh, foot and ankle surgeons from all over the world, mainly from the States, from Europe, Asia, South America, uh, and, um, and uh, from all over the world and they are very carefully selected to run 18 symposiums who are dedicated uh, to different subjects. Actually, one of them is weight-bearing CT. Uh, some other ones are uh, sports injuries, of course, total ankle replacements. It's actually, we have selected the uh, 18 hot topics right now in foot and ankle uh, surgery. Um, so it's a very important meeting. It's probably the meeting that attracts uh, a significant number of surgeons from different parts of the world. And that interaction is pretty much unique. And, uh, and we're happy to say, and we're happy to be the host. We are honored that everyone trusted our country, our South American society. And already everything is running up very smoothly. As I told you, the program is already done. You can find it in the IFAST Chile 2020 webpage. All the information is in there. Uh, some companies are already sponsoring our meeting. And we are we're open, opened for uh, abstracts. We have been receiving abstracts already. Um, that means free papers. So it's going to be a very interesting uh, scientific meeting from that point of view. Uh, a very nice update of the foot and ankle knowledge around the world. Well, it definitely seems like an event not to be missed if you are a foot and ankle specialist because you can learn about 18 different hot topics and also interact with your colleagues from around the world, which you know, conferences, you do typically get representation from different places, but this seems like it will be a truly global event. So uh, it should definitely be on the agenda of any foot and ankle specialist, it sounds like. That last point that you mentioned is, is probably the most attractive one. And I guess you, 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 you have realized already that medicine is practiced in different ways, depending on where you are. And that depends on your financial support, the level of expertise. And sometimes even if you have the same training, people do things differently because we don't have enough level one evidence for everything that we do. So it's very interesting to 
bring actually each symposium has one speaker from each of the four regions so talking about the same subjects you get uh, different ideas because they come from different parts of the world and then we can discuss about it and everyone can make up their own mind uh, and come up with a new solution for their specific problems that they have at home. So that, that specific uh, aspect of the meeting that we, we force every symposium to include one speaker from each part of the world uh, makes the, the meeting particularly attractive for everyone. Right, that's, that's right, because resources are distributed differently in different parts of the world. Uh, just laws and regulations are different, so absolutely. Uh, having that global perspective can really broaden your horizons for how you might think about something that you do every day. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned that weight-bearing CT was one of those hot topics. Uh, congratulations on being the first institution in South America to get a bilateral weight-bearing CT system uh, at your hospital. Can you talk about how you were able to convince radiologists and the hospital administration that weight-bearing CT was necessary for the, the well, foot and ankle surgeons? Well, thank you for the congrats. Uh, we are very proud that we were able to convince our institution to get this weight-bearing CT. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, the way we convinced the authorities, the one who were going to invest in this new technology in South America, uh, at the beginning, it was a little bit hard because, you know, marketing people, uh, the first question they come up with is, show me the numbers. So they want to know mm -hmm. how many patients are going to be using this new technology every day. Uh, so that means how much money is going to, uh, we're going to collect from the new device and how long it, it is going to take for the wavering CT to be paid. So uh, mm -hmm. at the end, mm -hmm. uh, of course, we don't have any numbers. We didn't have any numbers. So we had to take the numbers from other institutions and we had to bet on the strength that this new technology has. And it has been the, the history about uh, wavering CT is brand new, although the technology has been on the market for more than in a decade. And just in the last, uh, let's say five years, we have been collecting a lot of new information uh, about how useful this uh, new technology is. And if you take a look at the papers, most of them show just normal things because we, with the first thing everyone needed to know is what is the normal anatomy, the normal alignment of something that we didn't quite know well before. Uh, some attempts had been made of, of obtaining similar images uh, using simulated weight-bearing CT. So different devices were constructed to apply some weight to the foot uh, using a platform putting some weight on the shoulders, I mean, different kinds of things, trying to make, uh, a, to obtain a CT that was similar to the situation that the patient experienced when he was standing on his foot and walking. So uh, that showed 
some new information and everyone was really waiting for this technology, this new technology to show up. So we told this to the, uh, to the authorities in our institution that this uh, new technology was going to bring more patients in because patients were going to be interested in a CT scan that has low irradiation. That's very, very important for patients. It's, uh, it's actually pretty quick to obtain the images. You can get bilateral CT of the wavering ankle and foot in less than 30 minutes. With the equipment we have, we can get CT uh, of the knee, uh, hips, and we can, of course, we can get CT of the with a, with some adaptation tables uh, or chair uh, of the hand, elbows, and some other parts of the of the extremity extremities. But uh, um, we have been very much interested in hind foot surgery in the last uh, ten years. So we have been in South America, the leading country in ankle replacement and in high foot reconstruction compared to the other countries in South America. We have big numbers in ankle replacement. Um, and we thought that wavering CT was especially important to make proper diagnosis and take proper decisions about high foot correction, high foot surgeries that, that is in including ankle replacement, including uh, high foot fusions, corrections, malunions, whatever. And of course, at the same time, uh, get more information about the forefoot. Even the forefoot, uh, we're still la uh, missing a lot of information about rotation, deformities, where the rotation is, is located in order to choose proper osteotomies to correct the forefoot. So uh, considering all that, information that, that is coming up in the, in the last few years, we told our radiologist, chief of radiologist department, and he was very interested. He did his research on his own, because of course, some information is coming from the orthopedic field and some information is coming from the radiologists themselves. And oh, we were lucky enough to get our radiologists very uh, excited about this new technology. And then we got very excited, uh, the manager, the, the CEO of the hospital. So we were able to convince them. And now uh, as a proof of our arguments, right now there is another institution in Brazil who just got the new, a new Weibering city. And all the other institutions in Chile are asking us how we were able to convince <laughs> the, the people who, who is putting the money to do this because they are running into the same issue. They know they need it. They know it's very important, but they need the numbers and they were wondering how we did it without, without having the numbers. And I think that at this point, there is enough out there in the literature to support how important this uh, wavering city. And we uh, had the advantage that we created this new foot and ankle department uh, in a new area of the hospital. So we were able to put the wavering CT right in front of our offices. So the patient, yeah, it's very nice. So the patient literally walks out of my door and the, the door in front of mine is the wavering CT. So we can get it right there, no delay, 
we have a technician right there to get the images right away. So everything is very expedite and uh, it's very efficient for the patient. And of course, uh, at this moment, we're getting our own patients. And at the same time, patients coming from our inst some other institutions in Chile. So uh, we are keeping the, the this new apparatus very busy <laughs> and we're very happy. And of course, people, who are uh, looking at the numbers are very happy as well because they see an increasing number of patients and increasing number of doctors asking for uh, new uh, diagnostic images using the wavering CT. Mm -hmm. And having it right outside your office, I think that's so critical when we designed this system, that's really the workflow that we had in mind that you know it could be placed very close to or even in the doctor's offices so the doctor could say i need to see more and they could get the scan right away and look at it right away so that's so wonderful to hear that that's how it's being utilized in your hospital it's, and you know vt is very interesting because even doctors sometimes we have no idea about how easy this new technology is to to put in in your office because it's not too big and at the same time since radiation is similar to an x-ray you do not need a specific or a big room to put it in. And you don't have to prepare like you do for a CT scan, the room and have it isolated in a different part of the hospital. So that's something very important that you need to tell everyone who is involved in decision-making process when, when thinking about buying a weight-bearing CT, you can put it right there. You do not need a lot of a room. It's, 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 is enough, uh, you need enough room for a patient to be standing. Is actually the, we're using uh, for the for the technician and the wavering CT, uh, a very small room that is similar to one of our offices. So it's, uh, it was very convenient and another good reason. And patients, patients are so happy that they can get the image right away. They don't have to wait and is uh, they can see, we can discuss images with the patients and they can see the difference. And so far we have been changing indications in our medical decisions, including surgical decisions uh, based on wavering CT. Do you have any particular, you know, a specific patient story where it really did make a difference in that particular person's treatment? Yeah, one, one that come, comes uh, very easy to my mind was a 25-year-old patient who was told that he needed surgery for a syndesmotic injury. Very common, typical syndesmotic injury. So he was told in three different institutions that he needed surgery because the syndesmosis was, was significantly displaced. And uh, one of my friends in my old institution uh, he, told the, he told the patient that uh, they should look for another opinion and maybe the patient should get a wavering CT. And so we got the bilateral wavering CT and we compared the images and the syndesmosis was not displaced at all. What was displaced was the little the fracture of the fibula, but the ankle itself, the mortis, the, the joint space, and the syndesmosis were equal on both sides. So we recommended that patient not to get the surgery, and he was extremely happy, 
and he actually recovered after a month. He was back playing sports, not fully uh, back into sports, but he was able not to go into surgery, not to take the risks of surgery, and he was happy that uh, there was a, uh, an image that could prove him that whatever we were telling him was absolutely right because we have the proof. It was not just an instinct that we were telling him to get or not get the surgery. And, and of course, you can imagine that before that, he had uh, wavering x-rays, he had a CT scan, he had a spec CT, he had an MRI, he spent a lot of money, and none of those tests were able to tell him for sure what to do. Just the wavering CT made the final decision. And after we showed the wavering CT to the other doctors in the other institutions who recommend the surgery, everyone said, well, I guess you're right. The patient does not need surgery. So it made a big difference for that specific patient. And the same stories have been increasing in the last few days because we just have this for a month or so. Few months, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I've heard from several of our customers this exact same scenario where X-rays or MRI showed that there was syndesmosis, and then when you get the weight-bearing CT and you're able to look at it in weight-bearing and look at the contralateral side, you realize that there's actually no syndesmosis at all. So it just makes you think: How many syndesmosis surgeries are currently being performed that might not be necessary? Yes, I. Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. That's very important. And I guess it, it will probably go the other way around as well. Some patient, uh, patients who actually have displacement uh, that is significant, and you cannot see that significant displacement in regular or the common uh, x-ray test that we typically take, but you can see it clearly on weight-bearing. So decision-making uh, can change from non-operatively into operation uh, using this uh, waiver NCT or can change the other way around into saying or recommending not to do a surgery, which is very important for any, just one patient who benefits from this indication is very, very important. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, so switching gears a little bit, I am interested to learn more about Lizamed. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about this new service and how you see telemedicine potentially revolutionizing orthopedics? Well, I think that the way medicine is moving is similar to the way the, the whole world is moving. Uh, uh, right now that we're moving into fastest uh, Wi-Fi access, we're moving into 4G, into 5G, hopefully in the next uh, near future we will be able to uh, do a lot of things using uh, some remote medical care. That means that one patient who is far away, up in the mountains, without a medical center nearby, can get immediate access to uh, an expert in the field to solve the problem. The same thing is true when you have, especially in our countries in South America, when you have someone who doesn't have a lot of experience with whatever, whatever, an ultrasound, you can transmit that ultrasound to an expert in another part of the country who can solve the, the doubts in a matter of seconds and decides if that patient needs an emergency surgery or whatever. And uh, you can also... Uh, 
use devices like uh, you know this uh, like your uh, your phone, your smartphone, or your smart smartwatch. Right now, we have similar devices uh, or something that is like a smart a smartwatch, but can do much more than that. They can test your glucose, uh, your your sugar levels. They can test your blood blood pressure, and they can actually send signals. For instance, if you lose consciousness uh, to a center, to your whatever medical care facility you choose. So the, the available options are unlimited when you use uh, this kind of uh, medical care from a long distance uh, point of view using, using the web. Uh, so uh, right now we we we're not of course the only company in Chile. There are so many others that are offering the same service, but they focus on different things. Some of them they focus on robotics. Some of them focus on giving pro or providing healthcare for patients who are traveling abroad, just like uh, medical care for people who are taking a trip. Uh, but we think that from the public health point of view, this is very useful because you can provide medical care, uh, medical assistance to for people who are not nearby a medical center, and you can provide excellent or top top of the top one uh, level care for those patients. So uh, we're very excited about, about this new startup and we're we're trying to get as much information and we're, we're trying to make it big and grow up in Chile in order to provide services for the private healthcare centers and as well for the uh, public system. And I, I'm pretty much sure that they will, this uh, type of technology uh, will actually decrease uh, the amount of money that is uh, spent uh, in, in medical care and improve the quality of the medical care service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it'll definitely be exciting to watch as Lizamed continues to evolve as an organization. So uh, I'll definitely be on the lookout for that. One of my uh, my last question for you is, I did want to touch on your involvement in Steps to Walk. Can you talk about uh, that organization and, and how you've been involved? Well, that's very uh, rewarding type of work. Steps to Walk was created by Mark Morrison, a very well-known foot and ankle surgeon uh, they, uh, that uh, has been president of the AOFAS in the in United States, and he's actually the president of the medical board. And I am part of this medical board, and we are doing right now uh, more or less one program a week. That means all around the world. And the main difference about this uh, humanitarian service is that we not just go to a place and perform surgeries, we go to a place in which some surgeons are able to be trained. So we choose some places in which we can get uh, 
a good hospital to uh, to do the surgeries we can get some surgeons who are have some training in foot and ankle surgery so we can train them a little bit better so they actually learn how to do it so the 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 main goal of this uh, humanitarian work for steps to walk is provide foot and ankle teaching for local people in different parts of the world uh, so they can do things better and we actually come back every year so we we spend five days in a, in a, in, a, in one specific city and we uh, spend one day giving lectures and discussing the topics with the attendees another day we actually see every single patient in the office before surgery then we spend two more days doing the surgeries with the same people who are, are taking the, this, uh, this uh, course. And the last day we have a cadaveric course and we actually teach them how to do the surgeries in case they didn't quite get it. So they, we actually teach them the abilities and the, the, uh, in order for them to perform the surgeries on their own, hopefully. So what we see is that we are able to provide uh, healthcare uh, and foot and ankle surgeries for patients who had been waiting for years to get the surgery done and local people were not able to do it. And we also see that these patients get proper follow-up and at the same time, the same doctors are able to perform at least some of the same surgeries they saw on their own and as we keep coming back to the same places hopefully they get full training and they will not need us anymore so it's a very very uh, rewarding uh, uh, humanitarian program for us we have a lot of fun it means of course some effort we need to travel to those places we pay our own tickets and we do all that uh, because it's, it's something we we think is is, is very useful and we we're the happiest ones I mean, the happiest ones is always the faculty, and we typically collect three, fac three or four faculties from different parts of the world, plus the local people. What's one of your favorite places that you've traveled to with Steps to Walk? Well, I, I, in my mind, two places were particularly uh, uh, significant for me. One was in China, in the, next to the border with Mongolia, uh, which is a very different part of China, which, uh, which has many immigrants from, uh, from, from the frontiers. And the other place was Kenya, Nairobi. Um, in, and in that specific area of the world, you have a lot of people who are abandoned from medical care. Some, uh, sometimes because they come from, uh, from a, a small village, some of them, they live in a tribe, and they actually do not have access to medical care because of money or sometimes because of cultural problems. In some of the, these countries, it's very interesting because even people who speak the language of the country, the official language, are not, are not able to communicate with the patients because they have a dialect. So in, in this specific program, we bring uh, local people who are able to translate in the local dialect that they speak, like the Maasai tribe in, in Kenya, they do not speak Swahili, they do not speak English, they speak Maasai. 
So we needed a translator to translate everything into Maasai. And uh, if they go to a local hospital, sometimes they don't have someone who speaks Maasai. Beginning from that simple part of the medical process, beginning with communication, we can do a big difference with this organization. That sounds like it's a really amazing experience. And um, I'm sure it, it informs your own um, your own clinical practice when you return home as well. Oh, absolutely. We are the ones learning the most from the patients, from the other faculties. We discuss the cases. We make a lot of friends. It's, it's, it's actually a lot of fun. And it's, it's a very moving experience when you get the chance to help people who are very, very grateful because at the end, they, they have someone who is an expert in the field and who is able to perform a surgery probably with better results because we, we do some surgeries more often than local people. And some, some of the surgeries, they are not even able to do it. So we can do a lot of people. And, and most of these patients change their life from be, being crippled, not able to walk, or walk with continuous pain, and they move into being painless and uh, out of the wheelchair, able to go back to work and sometimes even go back to sports and normal daily activities. So it's a big difference for most of them. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's really incredible. Um, and we'll probably have uh, Dr. Mark Meyerson on as a guest in a future episode of this podcast. So we're hoping to learn a lot more about the organization. Yes, please. Please ask him. He is the, he's the big master, the creator of the whole idea. And he, he was able to put up uh, the whole thing together, bringing friends, uh, good surgeons, and doing a lot of work, uh, getting some financial support. That's a lot of work. He has spent the last three years of his life dedicated 100% to this Steps to Walk uh, project. So he that's an amazing, an amazing, an amazing man. I must say that. Well, this has been an absolutely just a great conversation. I feel like we've touched on a lot and I've learned a lot. Um, and uh, I think everyone should be looking forward to EFAS 2020. Um, if anybody has any questions for you, either about, you know, how you got your lineup, about the conference coming up about Listenmed, what is the best way that people can get in touch with you? Uh, the easiest way would be to go into the website IFAS Chile 2020 and you will have you will find my personal contact, my email, my phone number and our manager uh, phone and email and all the information about the meeting including the program the uh, touristic activities that you can get in Chile. Chile is, an, is a very, it's, it's one of the top level destinations in the world in, t in terms of uh, touristic uh, attractions. Well, well, great. Well, thank you again so much. Uh, this has really been great and uh, hopefully we'll definitely connect soon. Thank you, Vinti. You've been a great host. All right. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Be in touch. Bye-bye.